0: happening. with thy love. Well when you see the screen is up in the back, then that means the tank and the baptismal is full. And our brother Anthony from our Spanish congregation is going to be baptized this morning. So Brother Ernesto and Anthony, come on down to the water.
1: Good morning. For me, it's a privilege to be in front of all of y'all. And
2: most of all, it's a privilege to baptize my brother Anthony. I would say that after the faith,
1: de creer en nuestro Señor Jesucristo, to
2: believe in our I think that
1: the second step
2: will be the baptism.
1: So by faith,
2: we're
1: gonna do that
2: baptism.
1: I'm gonna ask Anthony
2: Uh to
1: give a small testimony.
2: Hello. Um
1: today is something that uh um,
2: Really deep uh, nervousness, humbleness—just uh, something that came over me. So I don't have much other to say besides: this is like a very big honor for me, and I look forward to doing
1: all of my work under His name. Amen. Amen. I wanted to, talk I want to,
2: talk to, 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 to a couple to questions.
1: To Eunuch Felipe. libro. venía leyendo el libro de Isaías. Eh, y tenía me, the confusión. The y le explicará bien To explain la, good about
2: the book. Lo, lo
1: now, what caught my attention in this story? Eunuch
2: was that the
1: eunuch eh, quiso el bautismo.
2: Wanted the
1: baptism. He wanted that.
2: Right. He asked
1: for the baptism. Y le preguntó,
2: and Philip
1: asked him, si
2: Have you believed
1: in Jesus Christ? And the eunuch said, Yes, I have. So I'm going to ask Anthony,
2: based Dios, in the word of God
1: eh, en Romano, in Romano, Ten. 9 and 10 also. Anthony.
2: Anthony?
1: Have you believed in Jesus? Like your Lord and Savior.
2: Yes,
1: with yes. Okay. So I'm going to say like Philip
2: said.
1: What prevents me to baptize Anthony?
2: Anthony?
1: Anthony,
2: like
1: a minister of, of the Lord, I baptize you
2: in the
1: name of
2: the Father, of
1: the Son, and
2: of the Holy Spirit. you okay. to
0: do this. Dios nos bendiga y nos vemos en diez And God bless all, and we'll see you yeah. again. Amen. Amen. Okay. Thank you all again. Amen. Today, you can go ahead and get your microphone. No. Well, we'll get back to our. Uh, Music uh, in in the meantime while they're able to get out because right now, while we're having our service up here, our Spanish congregation will be continuing with their service downstairs, uh, recording that and and Facebook streaming it, as well as later on this afternoon at about noon, our Kachin, our congregation that uh, comes from Burma, will be having their service and Facebook living it and recording it as well, so... But let's sing one more song and as Anthony somewhat alluded to, how he didn't really think that he might ever be in this place being baptized, but a song that just so sweetly tells that story. Oh, amazing
3: grace How sweet the sound That saved a wretch like me, I. Heard
4: Good morning church. How are you today? It's so good to be with you and boy we're just rejoicing what the Lord is going to do in our presence today. Boy isn't that exciting to see Anthony go through the baptismal waters. How exciting is that? He is on his way to uh, New York and to help out with some uh, benevolent work there as those folks are in a lot of need and uh, what a blessing to be able to delay. Anthony was telling me just before the service that He decided to delay his travel to make sure that he was taking care of the spiritual before he was uh, the physical to go help people. And that's the priority. That's just doing what the Lord would have us to do, and praise his name for that. Thank the Lord that he has worked in his heart, and it's a blessing to be a part of any kind of baptism or any baptism, any life that is given to Christ. Well, let me share a few announcements with you. Uh, you know now, uh, as the last couple of weeks, I've been sharing this of the several Zoom meetings going on for men's Bible studies and on and on Wednesday nights. So I want you to tune into that. You can go to our church calendar on our webpage. Uh, for for all that information. Uh, if you're not a part of the church normally, we're thankful that you've joined us today. We're so blessed to have you with us and hope that you find this a blessing yourself. Uh, much of our information that I'm, I'm talking about here is right there on our calendar or on our church website. A lot of information there about who we are and what we believe and what we're trying to accomplish here for the Lord, so you can go to visitlaurelhill.org, visitlaurelhill.org and you can see all of that information there. You can send us messages, you can give us an email, and uh, just tell us a little bit about yourselves. We'd love to be able to hear from you. Uh, For our church family, there is a business meeting today by Zoom at 1 p.m., and so uh, you should have gotten an invitation from Neil Donaldson, our treasurer of the business team, and I want you to tune in to that. Um, Thank you again for your giving. We really appreciate that. There has been money that's been coming in, but I do want to say this. Uh, We'd ask you to continue to do so. I don't say much about giving. I probably have preached on giving a handful of times in all the years that I've been here, Uh, but we are at a place now where uh, we're trying to make some decisions about what may need to be cut and uh, at least furloughed for a short period of time or or suspended is the better word, not cut, but suspended. And so uh, a lot of prayer is needed right now. Uh, We need you to continue to give. We know that there's a lot of pressure on you right now in a lot of ways, but um, for the work of the Lord to continue on, uh, we want to make sure that His work does go. And so uh, join us for that meeting later on today at 1 o'clock as we discuss some of those very important things, okay? All right, well, let's pray together, and then we'll hear from the Lord and what He has for us. Father, we thank you for the joy of starting out this morning with... um, Just a precious time together in watching uh, this baptism and this soul that's been given to you, purchased by your blood. And so, Lord, we thank you for giving us the privilege to be a part of this this morning. And now we would ask, as always, that you would open our minds and our hearts, that we would hear what you'd have us to hear today, and that you would speak to us, that we would be fully open, embracing everything that you would have for us, that we would be diligent in our service to you, and that we would be diligent in our hearing and our listening so that we would be effective servants of yours and lord uh, do this work we pray in jesus name amen well i had planned on going into our study in matthew and that's the plan right now for next week but i'm interrupting this because i want to share with you some thoughts uh, from our romania trip uh, that some of you have been thinking about i would guess and uh, just share just a couple details uh, from that. I'm going to do that in a little different way this morning, a way that I've never done before. Um, but I've had on my mind uh, some of the, a subject, I should say, of what really is important for us as a church and a church family and believers going through a time like this, and that is giving God our best. And that's the title for my mes- of my message this morning, giving God our best. So let me just back up here for just a minute and read the text of scripture that I wanted. to uh, speak from this morning, which is Colossians chapter 3, just two verses, 23 and 24. Colossians 3:23 and 24. Now we studied through the book of Colossians many years ago, uh, and you can go back in our archives on the website and probably find that. If not, we can get that information to you. But I just want to pull out a text here and make some points this morning. Uh, hopefully this is going to be very practical for you. Going through the time that we're going through, there's still a lot of uncertainty, a lot of uh, fear, a lot of anxiety, a lot of concerns about what life is going to look like, and I just want to continue to address some of these things as we do. But today, we want to talk about giving God our best. So, Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24, so take your Bibles if you have them handy, hope you do, and read along as I read this for you. Whatever you do do your work heartily, as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Now, let me just back up here and talk about our Romania trip for a minute. Um, Normally that's a two week trip, as you well know. Some of you may not know that, but my wife and I and several others have been on a a trip to Romania over the last many years uh, to do village ministry. Uh, We go out into the Gypsy Villages, the Romanian Villages, and uh, share the gospel through women's ministry and also through Children's VBS. Uh, There's a pastor's conference that we try to do, uh, and just a, a very, very full two weeks. Well, this year, as always in March, we left on March the 9th. That was just the date of this particular trip, and we were due to return on March the 21st, but we ended up coming back a week early. And you know well why, and that's because of all the outbreak that was going on in the country. Now, before we left, I decided at the last minute, and this is kind of just personal to me, to do a little bit of a log. And so uh, I, in my phone, uh, just beginning on that first day, began to write down some of the things that I was thinking in my mind. Because even before we left, there were several people who were emailing me saying, you know, you really shouldn't go. You shouldn't take a chance on something like this right now. And, and my wife and I and the team, we just had peace. We just believe that that's what the Lord wanted us to do. But I did did have thoughts as I was going uh, through the process. And so day one, and uh, and I hope this won't bore you, but I'd like to read a couple of my thoughts here that I was writing down, is the day of packing and leaving. And if you've ever been on a trip like that, and many of you have been, You know how stressful it can be. We try not to make it stressful, but often it is very stressful. And so I wrote down this, Always hard not to fuss. But I was reminded that this is about the Lord and what He wants for us, not about us and how we feel or what we want and don't want. I love our lives and what we do, but often that can get in the way of what God wants from us and to do through us. And then a little later I wrote this, stress of thinking about you, the church. And I have in parenthesis here, Paul had his daily concern for the churches and living your faith because of the coronavirus and just flying in a crazy world anyway, not to mention dealing with the allergy I've never had before. Now, some of you don't know, but I have an alpha-gal allergy uh, that inhibits me from eating dairy or or red meat. And uh, yeah, that came from a tick bite. And so I'm struggling with how to live life that way. And many of you can identify with that, I'm sure. Uh, But there is a certain amount of stress that comes with just the necessities of life and the preparation of flying across the ocean and being in a country that's different from your own. And especially, as I was saying, the virus that was right there in our presence. So just a little bit later, I write, shortly into our flight, I can see Charlottesville and the surrounding land that God places us in. And I start to have thoughts about leaving you, and again, I'm talking about the church and how life will go for you in these couple of weeks. Of course, at that point, I was thinking that this was going to be the full two weeks. Thinking about my dad, who's getting older in his life and uh, struggling with some dementia and all he had done and how his life has changed for him so much and by default for us and his family. And so all these thoughts were coming in my mind about uh, the beauty of what God had done in our lives. And uh, just thinking about leaving for the sake of doing what we believe that the Lord had called us to do. Looking down on all the people, this is in the airplane, how could God know everything or every hair on our head? That's an amazing thought. As I'm flying over, I'm just finding all these rambling thoughts coming in, but they're connecting the dots a little bit, and I'm just sharing with you what was going on in my mind the amazing work of the Lord and how He knows every single thing about us. And the text of Scripture says, even the very hairs of our head. So now we're on the plane headed to London. This is after we had made our connection, asking myself, why am I doing this? Again, feeling the stress and the pressure of it all as things have changed quite a bit in travel. And the answer is, it is more correct to follow Jesus even when I don't want to go. So there was in my flesh this lack of a desire to want to go and to stay here and to kind of give in to the fear and the frustration of it all, but understanding spiritually that it's far more important to obey the Lord. And when we got to London, we almost lost half of our team there. There were 30 people on the trip. And so through the course of events, we had almost lost half of them having to leave them in in London while we went on and uh, all the details of that that I won't bore you with. But it was a rather exciting part of the journey. And that was all on day one. And so uh, you can imagine the angst that was going on. So I write now, day two, and I'm not going to go through all these days, but just a few of them here. We finally made it to Romania, had a good day of sorting supplies and ministry in one of the villages, and that becomes important. It was a blessing to see our brother, Cosmin, who is one of the area pastors there who's so instrumental in making this trip happen, and his young girls, and brother John, who is a pastor in a little village called Brashtirti. And uh, he is just a dear, dear man and wants the team to come to his church every single year. And so we went and uh, we made it on that night and uh, had uh, just a blessed time. A very small church, probably only about 30, 40 people in there altogether. And you add our team and that made 60. Um, And so it was just a really exciting time. Day three, and this is all the timing of the same thing, we got the message at 2 a.m. that President Trump would close the borders on Friday. And so, as I'm writing this, we're on the bus headed to the Hungarian airport, hoping to get a flight to the UK, and I write, times like this are when God shows himself faithful and brings glory to himself. We're sorry to have to leave Romania with ministry unfinished. And so all we got to do was visit one village out of all that time. We basically were in the country of Romania for only 36 hours. Has a long ways to go for 36 hours and so you begin to ask yourself what was this all about well from day four to seven we were in a hotel in budapest and the lord took care of us wonderfully there the food was great the accommodations were great Uh, anxiety was still very high as we're getting more and more information about the difficulty of getting back into the country and what we're gonna what city we're going to have to fly into the changing of airplane tickets and that had to happen several times it was very expensive for our team leader to make those changes in cost money-wise. Uh, and so we began to still now feel like this was really a waste of time. Why in the world would we have traveled all this way in the midst of this virus and, and all the other things to, to do uh, something that really just seemed to have no benefit at all. But then after it was all said and done, Uh, on the website for Foundation for Hope, which is the ministry we go with, there was this post on the blog section, and it was from Pastor Cosmeen. And here's what he wrote. Last night I got a phone call on behalf of Pastor John, the one I just mentioned, who joined the group, and he said, Among different issues discussed, I was overjoyed to hear that the Lord used this year's team in order to bless many people in that congregation. More than half of the people were unconverted people, and many confessed that the the Lord spoke to them and searched their hearts. Moreover, after the meeting, a lady who was attending the small village church shared with Pastor John her decision to follow Jesus and confess her faith in baptism. Pastor Cosmeen writes, We pray for more. Pastor John was so encouraged. But even for one soul, it was worth it. Months of preparation in prayer, organization, and planning, it was worth it. Sacrificing time, resources, and health, it was worth it. Packing in a rush, no sleep, and getting tired in airports, it was worth it. Why? Because one soul values a lot. Actually, so much that Jesus Christ, Son of God, died in order to save it by faith. So please receive our gratitude for your faithfulness for the Lord in such a time like this. God bless you all. I can't tell you how exciting it was to read that message. The team was just overjoyed because, again, we were thinking that this was such a waste of time, but it wasn't a waste of time. Nothing that we do for the Lord is a waste of time, and that really becomes the point, beloved. Everything that we do should be for God and to our best ability. And we have to ask the question, what do we make of all of this? Why is it that we would go and do all of that? Well, it's this simple. We do it for the Lord. Everything in this life we are to do for the Lord. That's what the Apostle Paul was just saying in Colossians. Listen, we can go and take part in something that's unsure, maybe even bringing a lot of fear, because we're safe with the Lord. We're safe in Christ. We have no concerns about where we're going to be. We have a home waiting for us. If we die here, we have a home there. If we die there, we have a home in heaven. It doesn't matter. We're going to be safe with the Lord. But here's the thing. The world is lost. The world has no hope of eternity. The world has no ability to trust in a heavenly Father that they cannot see, cannot hear, cannot know. And so for the world, the world really needs to be greatly fearful of all the things that we're experiencing here, but not a believer. There's nothing in a believer's life that needs to be afraid of what's happening here. We have our hope in a Heavenly Father who has promised that He would provide everything that we need. Can you imagine, just for a second, what it would be like to have no Heavenly Father to provide your needs? Think about that. Imagine if this moment there were no Heavenly Father who was the epitome of all gods, who is was the great provider of all things, if there were no truth in that and there was no truth in him and it was all just a fairy tale, you would be left just like the rest of the world is left without any hope to provide for yourself, to make sure that everything would meet according to how you planned it. Here's how Paul said in Philippians 4.19, My God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. God will supply everything. You know, at the most difficult times, like what we're experiencing in our country, in our world right now, is when God puts himself on display. In fact, when we were in Romania, I was thinking as we were traveling to Hungary and we hadn't gotten the news yet about Americans still being allowed to come into the country, we were thinking we were going to have to spend spring in in, uh, Romania or in Hungary. I mean, we really didn't know. We were making plans to figure out how to be there for the next 30, 60, 90, 120 days. But realizing that, you know what? God has said He would provide our needs, and He greatly did. He provided everything that we need. This word needs that Paul talks about here is what is lacking is what it means. God will provide what is lacking, particularly what is needed. That doesn't mean that God is going to give us everything that we want but God will certainly give us everything that we need, and we can apply that to not only monetary things, but emotional well-being, mental well-being, and certainly spiritual well-being, all according to His riches. But now listen, let's, let's think about this even a little bit more fully, because there's more that God says to us about His provision. It is true that God will provide, but there are a couple principles, and one main principle at work here when God provides. In 2 Corinthians 9, Paul says this, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one, talking about every believer, must do just as he purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good need. Listen, material needs will be provided by God. But God has given to us with an expectant attitude on His own part. Listen to what He says here. This idea of God will give to us bountifully, that's an interesting word. It's derived from an old word for eulogy or blessing. So what God is really saying here is that when a believer desires to bless someone in a big way, God will in turn bless that individual in a big way who did the giving. That's really the principle here. So the principle is very simple. It's give a little, get a little. Give a lot, get a lot. Now I'm not preaching prosperity theology here. I'm just simply giving to you what God says. He's talking about a matter of the heart. Whatever we do, God will provide bountifully for us, but there is a principle of us giving in return. We are to do our part. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Do you see the, you do this and I will make sure this happens? It's the same idea. Proverbs 28:27: He who gives to the poor will never want But he who shuts his eyes will have many curses. God has promised to us, and these are just a couple passages, numerous times, you do your part, you go out and you serve me with your full heart, and I will make sure that you have every provision that you ever need. I will bless you that way. Now, secondly, if you heard what we were just reading a minute ago, God wants us to give from a cheerful heart. And this is so important. It's so critical that we have the right kind of attitude in what we're doing. It's not that, oh, well, I guess I better give this or God's going to be mad at me. Well, I really like to hold on to this. Well, we would all feel that in our sinfulness. But no, the idea is that we give out of a cheerful heart. Here, Lord, you take it. 1 Corinthians 9, 7, each one must do, Paul says, just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful heart. Giver, grudgingly, is the idea of with sorrow and sadness, depression, reluctance, regret. I mean, we don't give because somebody pushes us to do it. You know, the whole idea of giving to the church or giving to God's work in whatever capacity that may be, and not just monetarily, with time and energy. i will talk about that in a minute. Is to be done out of a heart that willingly and longfully wants to give to God the best of everything that we have. That should be our whole plan going through this life. Not because somebody's pushing us or because we're coerced, somebody's twisted our arm, but from our heart. It should be the priority of our life. We should every day wake up and say, God, how do you want me to give to you today? What can I do? How can I best serve you? I'm going to give you a little illustration here from the scripture that will help you to understand this a little bit more fully. As God was telling Moses way back in the Old Testament in the days when the Hebrews were wandering in the wilderness to build the temple or to build the sanctuary, the tabernacle for him and to get various items. And he said, go to the people and get them to give to the work of the Lord in the building of the sanctuary. And this is found in Exodus 25 verses 1 and 2. So the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "'Tell the sons of Israel to raise a contribution for me. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall raise my contribution.'" And the people responded so well, according to Exodus 36, 4 through 7, that Moses had to tell them to stop. He literally had to say, "'No, that's enough. You've given so much. You've bountifully given to the work of the Lord. It's, It's too much.'" Stop giving. Boy, wouldn't that be a, a beautiful, beautiful thing for any uh, ministry organization to to say. And God wants us to have that kind of attitude. He wants us to have that same kind of heart to where we don't just give Him our leftovers. We're not to just give Him what's left, but give Him our best from our hearts, from deep within our hearts, cheerfully, gladly in our souls, no matter Who we are or what we have, we're to give our best. Listen, no matter who we are or what we have, we are to give of our best. We're to offer Him the best. And often that comes at a great cost. There's no question about that because that's usually the biggest hindrance. Well, I've got this to do. I've got this to pay for. I've got to have it for this. I've got to make sure I reserve for this. And all of that's true. But listen to what King David said. When he was about to buy a plot of land, a man wanted to give it to him. And you can read this story yourself in 2 Samuel 24. But David said, no, I'm not going to take something freely. He says, I will not offer a burnt offering to the Lord. That was a sacrifice to the Lord my God, which cost me nothing. You see, to give to God something that costs us nothing is really a very cheap gift. It's really a gift that says... I don't know that I can really trust you, God, for who you are. I don't really know that I believe you because I'm really more concerned about myself and what I have going on in my life. Well, David understood well, and many men and women of God have understood that the best gifts are the ones who are given out of the abundance of the heart, like the Lord's saying here, with a cheerful heart given to the Lord's work and for His purposes and something that's going to cost us and may cost us in a great way. Some people have even gone to the point of giving their lives as the price that they were willing to pay because of their love for the Lord and what He's done. And God is very serious about us giving our best. In fact, Malachi, the Old Testament prophet, tells of a time when the priest did not, these were the priests, the religious leaders, did not give God of their best. And God had some very stern things to say to them. In fact, what they were doing is they were keeping back the best of the animals for the sacrifices. They were giving to God what was left over. And here's what the Lord said about that in chapter 1 of Malachi, beginning in verse 13. You also say, this is the Lord speaking, my, how tiresome it is. And you disdainfully sniff at it, says the Lord of hosts, and you bring what what was taken by robbery and what is lame or sick. So you bring the offering. That's true. In other words, you're bringing it, but what you're bringing me is not the best it's not what i require of you and so god says should i receive that from your hand but cursed be the swindler who has a male in his flock and vows it but sacrifices a blemished animal to the lord for i'm not for i am a great king says the lord of hosts and my name is feared among the nations it's very simple very very simple here the lord is saying listen You say you're going to do something for me, but then you give me your second best? That's not what I require. These people were not doing what was best. They gave the sick animals instead of the best of animals. In fact, the Lord says that they evidently gave an animal that they had stolen from somebody else, not what they had worked hard to raise, what cost them, skin in the game making sure that they were a part of it. And so God's point to us is your best is what costs you something. And that's going to be your time. It's going to be your energy. It's going to be your effort. It's going to be your emotions, your emotional stability. It's going to be potentially relationships. Giving God the best, our talents. So just ask, when was the last time you got up in the morning And you should ask yourself this question. When was the last time you got up in the morning first thing and said, You know what, God, I'm going to give to you the very best of everything that I have today. When was the last time you said that? That's a good place to start in the morning. What if you said, I'm going to serve you to the fullest potential that I can give you today, Lord? What if you said something like this? God, I'm going to pray about and think about what I will do for you today. I'm going to put some energy and effort into everything that I offer to you. I'm going to put my whole heart and soul and mind into what I do today. You say, well, that'd be reserved for the really spiritual people. No, that'd be reserved for God's people because it's God who's speaking to every person who belongs to Him. That's you and me. Listen, the truth is, Satan doesn't have to work very hard to weaken the church. That's just reality. I mean, let's just call it really what it is. It's people who weaken the church. It's you and me. It's the everyday life of people that weakens the church. We spend our energy on living so much and not on God. Can we just be honest this morning? And just understand that we will just go through all the motions and do our half best... And often our response in our minds and our hearts is, well, that's good enough. God will be okay with that. I'll just, you know, it's just kind of that getting a bye, that's enough. Or we'll say, oh, that's all I can do. I mean, that really is my best. And we know in our hearts that's not our best. That's all I can give. But we know that's not all I can give. Because in the back of your mind, you're thinking about all the things that you need to do for yourself. And then fear begins to creep in, and so you're controlled even more by what you do and don't do. And listen, beloved, I'm not just talking about money here. As you heard just a second ago, I'm talking about every facet of our life. Listen, the real problem, again, let's just be real this morning, the real problem often in our own souls is that we are giving all we will give. That's the real problem. Not that we do give, but all that we will give. That's all we're willing to to put into God. That's all we're willing to put into the things that He gives us. That's all the effort we're willing to give Him because we think that's good enough. And that's all that's necessary. That's really the problem. And I'm just being honest this morning. We've just celebrated Easter, the greatest Sunday of the church calendar, the resurrection of Christ. And we have to ask ourselves some pretty important questions, and that is, what do I really believe? What do I really say the life of Christ is all about? How am I reflecting that in my life? Well, we'll talk about that in just a second. Let's keep going here as we'll come back to some of those thoughts. None of this is new, in fact, this idea of giving God second best. You've already heard me read from Malachi and even from the New Testament. Let me read you another one now from Haggai, uh, the Old Testament prophet Haggai, as God really scolds the people there. And this is going to sink deeply with us this morning. This comes from chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. God says through the prophet to Israel, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies desolate? He's talking about his temple. Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much, but harvest little. You eat, but there's not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there's not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. And he who earns, earns wages to put into a purse with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Let's skip down to verse 9. You look for much, but behold, it comes to a little. When you bring it home, I blow it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts. Here's why. Because of my house, which lies desolate while each of you runs to his own house. Therefore, because of you, listen to the condition here, because of you, the sky has withheld its dew and the earth has withheld its produce. I called for a drought, God says, on the land, on the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil, on what the ground produces, on men, on cattle, and on all the labor of your hands. Wow. God was pretty serious understand the context God had said hey here's my house but I look at your house and you've got all the latest furnishings you've got the beautiful paneled walls you've got the latest television set you've got the best internet service you've got this 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 and this all that goes into the modern affordances of that day and God says but look at my house it's just desolate nobody cares about it now he was telling them look at your heart you need to decide where your priorities are now hear me this morning beloved I'm not talking necessarily about Laurel Hill and being things being left out but there are some things that we need to talk about with all of this and we'll pick that up as we go in fact just think with me for a minute of all the things that we do in this life that really comes to nothing just yesterday my wife and I had to make a quick run to the landfill And as we were dropping things off, we realized after also going through many of our things in our home and things that we've saved for years and years that just end up being in boxes and traveling around to various places that we've lived, we drop it off the back of a little trailer there in this big old shed that smells like nothing but garbage. And praise the Lord, we've had places we can take that. But here's the point. I looked at my wife and I said, I guess this is what it all comes down to. You save and you save and you save and you you collect and you collect and you spend money after money after money or dollar after dollar on stuff and it ends up in the landfill because it really has no real meaning or value. Oh, it does, kind of, sort of, and it does for a certain time. But the reality is, beloved, we're not far off from what the Lord was saying to the children of Israel. It's just amazing what we will accumulate for ourselves. It's amazing what we'll hoard and what will pile up thinking that it's something that's going to make us feel better about ourselves or something that's going to give us some kind of identity when the lord's saying to us hey make sure that i am your number one priority in your identity that's really what's happening here you know it's very possible and i'm not a prophet because prophets don't exist in that sense today we have the word of god in its completion I don't know, as I preached a couple weeks ago, why God has caused the virus to come upon us, but it is very possible that God has caused the virus, at least partly, to wake up His people, to stir the hearts of His people, to get them to make sure that they're looking into the recesses of their hearts so that they're not being drawn into the world system so much that that world is becoming more of a priority than He is. I think it's very possible that God may be withholding a lot of things from us right now. Think about what he said to the children in Haggai's day. You hoard all this, and I blow it away. We've got people losing jobs. We've got places shutting down. He might, and I pray this is not the case, but he may very well shut Laurel Hill Church down. I pray that he won't do that. But if he does do that, it may be, and I'm saying maybe, I don't know, I don't have the mind of God. His ways are far beyond my mind. But all I can tell you is that this could very well be a warning to his church that we're a spoiled people, that we've become careless in our service to him, that we're not giving God our best. Again, I'm not just talking about the tangible. I'm talking about from the heart. And I know many of you are probably saying, Pastor, this is not a very encouraging message. Well, you should be lifting us up. Well, listen, I am lifting us up. Because if you'll listen to the message of the Lord, you'll realize that I'm lifting you up to Jesus, which is what we should always be doing. We need to get our act together and make sure that we're giving Him our best, that He is our priority in everything we do in this life. And that should lift us up, right? How else, who else should we be serving far greater than the Lord Himself? So don't be discouraged by what we're talking about here. Let's learn. We've already been promised by the Lord. He's going to provide everything that we need. So we don't need to be discouraged, but we do need to be awakened. And we need to pay attention. Let's go back for just a minute to our text in Colossians chapter 3. And I didn't give you this earlier, but here's the context. Paul is basically giving a set of instructions to the church like he does in his other letters as well. To people who are undergoing very difficult circumstances and first he addresses the family and he addresses the relationships within the family and then he addresses slaves which are really just is just in our context another word for employees saying that They are to obey their earthly masters, and that masters would be employers. So we got the employee-employer relationship thing here that God is talking about. Not just with external works, but he's saying from your heart, serve in your job the boss that is over you from your heart. Because the reality is that person is a representation of who you're really serving, which is Christ himself. That's what Paul is saying here. It's the same message. Everything that they do was to be service to the Lord. Everything. Look again at verse 23. Whatever you do, and God leaves it at that. He doesn't specifically qualify this other than an employer-employee relationship here. Do your work heartily as to the Lord or as for the Lord rather than for men. Listen, most people wake up on Monday morning and hate their job. Because they think, I don't want to go serve with those people. I don't want to serve that boss. I don't really care about those people at all. All I want is a paycheck. Well, the Lord says, listen, my people are different. If you're going to be my child, then here's what you need to do. You need to understand that I am God, and I'm the one who's redeemed you. I purchased you with my own son's blood. I gave his life for you. I want you to serve me with your whole heart. Don't go to work just because you're trying to earn a paycheck. Don't do what you're doing just because you want to make some difference in this world. Do what you do for my sake. That's what God is saying. This word heartily in the original Greek context is a word for breath or soul, meaning from the inner being is what God is saying here, from deep within ourselves, from where that heart-like attitude resonates or, or begins from, who we are as a person. In other words, with all yourself, putting your whole inner man into your work. Now, again, that word work can be defined in a lot of broad parameters here. And that's what we're trying to cover this morning. Just think about it for a minute and what you put put your energy into so heartily. When you were in school, and some of you may disagree with this, I wasn't the greatest of students, but when the big exam was coming, Whether you were a good student or not, and you knew that that exam was going to be the determining factor as to whether you went on in grades or not, you put a lot of energy into it. All of a sudden, that exam became very important, and you put your heart into it. That's what he's talking about. That full idea, or when the boss comes in on Monday and says, hey, we're going to lay off the least important people first, that gets your attention. You start asking the question, well, is that going to be me? Well, suddenly you start getting it in gear and making it look like you're the best employee that the company's ever had. That's your whole heart at work. Or in your marriage when your spouse is upset at you and you realize you better pay attention and get it in gear or there's going to be real problems in the relationship. Yesterday also was kind of a busy day and uh, as we went to the landfill... We also stopped by Lowe's for just a minute. It's the first time we'd been out. We've been trying very hard to obey all the laws of social distancing. Uh, But I have to tell you, if you've been there, Lowe's was packed. I mean, it was just packed. And this was late afternoon. It's like 4.35 o'clock. Absolutely packed. And I couldn't help but think of exactly what people were doing. They had put, because people had been constrained by this timing and this quarantine thing, they're having the freedom to be out in the yard, and, and the weather's been beautiful. God has just given to us such a gracious time of year right now. The season has just been awesome. And, and people are just buying everything that they can get their hands on, it seemed like to me, to get their yards looking the way that they want it to look. And people will put so much energy into what is so temporal, Their whole heart will go into it, spending time, money, resources. And again, I'm not against any of that. I think it's a good thing to do if you've got the ability to do that. But what I am saying here is what the Lord is saying is Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. When was the last time you planted a flower in the name of the Lord? When was the last time you cut the grass? and said, Lord, I'm going to cut this grass in the best way that I know how because I want to do it for you. I already talked about schoolwork, doing your math. If you're a young person listening to this or a person still in college or whoever you might be, math seems to be the big subject that people struggle with. What about just doing your math for the best of the ability that you have for God and His sake? You say, well, I might still get an F. Well, you might get an F. But you know what? The Lord's going to take care of you. He's going to provide. Hey, I had a lot of F's in my day. I know what I'm talking about. And God will get you through if you put your whole heart into it. Painting. Let me just give you some other ideas here. People are out painting this. It's springtime. One of the tendencies, and this is just me because I was a painter for a lot of years. One of the tendencies is to say, oh, you know what? nobody's going to see that little spot right there if I just leave that out. They'll never see it from my house. Or people will say, that's good enough for government work, making a joke. But the reality is, what if we said to ourselves, you know what, I'm going to get that little spot right there that nobody can see because I know the Lord sees it. And after all, this all belongs to Him anyway. This is really his house. This is really his set of steps. This is his deck. This is his porch. This is his bedroom. This is all his stuff. So how about even though somebody's not looking, I do it to the best of my ability because I know the Lord is watching. Whether it's fixing up the kitchen and putting in a new sink or not tightening down that bolt that you think somebody's not going to pay attention to and your wife or your husband's been fussing at you about something and you say, oh, that's good enough. Nuh-uh. We've got to have the attitude that says, I'm doing this because the Lord has asked me to do it. And I do all things for His sake. Some of you have been spending more time in the laundry room than you have ever in your lifetime because you've got more people at home now. I understand there are many of you that are not having people at home, but a lot of people are having a lot more people at home right now. And mom or dad, you might be in the laundry room saying, good grief. What in the world's going on? We're running through detergent like never before. Why do I have to do all this? Well, we do it for the Lord's sake. We do it because the Lord has called us to do whatever we do. Washing the car, don't leave that little spot on the bottom down there. Why? Because we do what we do for the Lord's sake. We do everything for Him. Whatever your boss asks of you, whatever your coach asks of you, it doesn't matter what it is, whatever your parents ask of you, don't fuss about it. Do what they ask because you just want to obey the Lord. And that's what He said. I- So shocked, stopped by Walmart, went into the little section there in the sporting goods place. The sporting goods section, we wanted to find a couple little bit more weights because we're trying to do some exercising at home. And the first time in my life, I walked into the section where all the weights are and the rack was empty. Couldn't believe it. I thought of all things, to be empty were the weights. I guess everybody's having the great idea. Unbelievable. Well, listen. Don't just do the exercises for you. Boy, we worship these bodies, don't we? Don't just worship the body. Worship the Lord. Do what you do for the Lord. Here at the church, we're talking about fixing up our playground. We're going to do that for the Lord's sake. Yes, we want people to come, and we want to make it attractive and pleasing. But we want to do it for the Lord's sake. The music that Pastor Hant plays and what we sing. When we sing, we should sing for the Lord's sake. Sometimes we kind of give the impression that we've been sucking on a lemon all morning and we really don't want to be here. Now, I understand we can't be here right now, but when we come back, I pray that this roof will be lifted off, not because you want to just be around everybody, but because you're in the presence of the Lord together as God's people and you want to do it for the Lord's sake. I've been sending out a weekly, a daily devotion for the last several weeks now and What I do in that is I try to put my whole heart into that. And I would ask you to don't just rush through them, not for my sake. It has nothing to do with me, but pay attention to what the Lord is saying through the text of Scripture and picture Him sitting right beside you. Wouldn't that be a switch? Can you imagine everything that you do, whether you're in an office chair, driving in your car, or wherever you might be, that you picture the Lord Christ sitting right beside you, looking at every single thing that you do? Well, He is. Your prayer time, don't just go to the Lord because, oh, you know, people struggle with prayer and it's it's hard, it's challenging. But, you know, when you sit down beside the Lord and you just have a conversation with Him, you can hear His voice speak into your heart through His Word. It is a beautiful time. Listen, give it some energy. That's what I'm saying here. Do you remember when we went through the series on Bless Every Home? was a series of four messages where I gave to you a way to reach out to your neighbors. And this was not all for me, but it was from the, the ministry that we were working through to help us with that. Have you followed through with your commitment to pray for your neighbors? Are you still looking at those emails that you get every day for your neighborhood? Are you praying with energy and focus and diligence because this is what the Lord has required of you? Listen, what's the motivation? Why we do this? Because of what God did for us. Simply because of what He did. And we mentioned this earlier. Here's what He did. Listen, He created you, number one. He is the one who literally put you together. He built you. And then He put His calling on your life. In other words, He chose you to be His child without anything that you did other than responding to His call. And then He came to get you to save you from eternity, or for eternity, to save you from His wrath and the penalty of sin that's coming. I have to ask in my mind for you and for me, is that not worth giving God our very best? In everything we do, we should never let anything go by anything, unless we're thinking, Lord, this is for you. I wanna do it for you. Listen, in our day, right now, we gotta give God our best because He's commanded it, yes, that's true, but also because our blessings are determined by it. You heard that earlier. And because the souls of men and women depend on it. Listen, if we don't not be, if we don't, if we stop being the church that God has called us to be, what should the people look for and what should they hope in? We become the examples to the world. So let's show the world that Laurel Hill is serious about serving God in everything that we do. Because we have a big God, let's show our neighbors how big our God is by the way we interact with them, by the way we talk with them, by the way we present ourselves, through the things that we do. Tell them what God said about possessions and that this life is not about possessions. You go to Luke chapter 12, verse 15, where Jesus was saying this, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed, for not even one, when one has an abundance, does his life consist of his possessions. In other words, this life is not about what you get. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? And he says, Aha! He has an aha moment. Here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my old barns and I'll build, build larger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and my goods and I'll say to my soul, listen to this, the depth of his inner being, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. A lot of people are saying that right now. Boy, I sure am glad I'm financially secure. Take ease, drink and be merry. Verse 20, But God said to him, you fool, you fool. This very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. i never forget, just a few months ago, a friend of mine and I went into the basement of a man's house. The man was sick and was dying. He was never going to go back home again. And in this massive basement was years and years and years of things that the man had accumulated. And all of it just went to the hands of those people that nobody even knew. It just was given to others, people that had no idea. And that's what's going to happen to your stuff and my stuff. It's either going to end up in a landfill or it's going to end up in the hands of somebody that you don't even know quite possibly. Our possessions aren't wrong, but they certainly are wrong when they take the place of giving our best to the Lord from our hearts. And listen, right now, I know people are nervous. I know people are nervous about whether they're going to get their jobs back or not. I know people are scared about what's going to happen with their kids and are they going to get the virus. I know people are thinking through all that. They're wondering what society is going to look like. Business owners are wondering, am I ever going to be able to open again? Am I going to have the life that I once had again? People are frustrated because life is so disrupted and they're being contained and don't don't know what that normal is going to ever look like again or what that's going to mean. People are so tired of all of this. I get that. I get that. We're all like that. But listen and hear this. God is in charge. He knows what he's doing. He's promised that he will provide our needs. He wants for us to live on the edge of life because that's when we see him the most. He wants us to live trusting him. So here's what I'm going to do. As pastor, I'm going to be praying that God will take away everything that we put before him. That's what I'm going to be praying. I have prayed that, and I'm going to continue to pray that, that He will do that so that His church is purified, so that all we have is Him. You say, Pastor, please don't pray that prayer. Yes, I am. I'm going to pray that prayer, and I'm going to continue to pray that prayer because that's when we will give God our best. When everything is stripped away and we have nothing left, that's when we will see the glory of God the clearest. That's when the men and women of God in the Scriptures saw God the most. When there was no hope for anything else, God became the focus of their lives. And so that's what I'm going to be praying. Not because I don't like us or I hate you. No, not at all. I'm going to be praying that because that's what's best for us, that we don't let anything else get in the way of who God is and that we give Him our best of our hearts, from everything, in everything that we do. We were created to be a special people for the Lord. So don't let the pleasures of life and all the things that we have and the difficulties keep us from giving God the best. You say, well, where do I start? Where do I start and what you're talking about? Well, you start, making, start, number one, by making sure you belong to the Lord. That's where it has to start. You've got to make sure that you know in your heart of hearts, just like Anthony showed us today in baptism, that his heart belongs to the Lord. That's what he was showing to us without words so much, but in that picture of baptism, he was identifying himself with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. You've got to start there, number one. And next, start reading his word and then start obeying his word. And I'm telling you, beloved, if you'll obey his word that you read, what's going to happen is you're going to get so hungry for the things of God that you won't want to miss anything that he's doing. You won't want to miss anything that he is doing. You won't want to miss a moment with His people. You're going to be so looking forward to being with God's people that everything else is going to become secondary. You're not going to want to live out your sinful pleasures. In fact, what's going to happen is you're going to see more and more and more every day how dark your heart really is outside of Christ. The more we reflect the glory of God and the more He reflects it into us, the more we see the wickedness of our hearts. There's going to be a lot of times we're going to fail. I fail. You're going to fail. We fail every day, but that really becomes the point. He becomes the one who is the saving grace of our lives. You need to strive to be the best person that you can be. Now listen, you're not going to be able to get enough of God's Word. That's what's going to happen. You're going to desire to put energy into your Bible studies. You're going to desire to pray to Him. Your prayer life is going to go through the roof. And that's really what we need we need some revival now and i believe god is doing these kind of things in our hearts you're going to want to put your whole energy into the things of the lord and i hope you're understanding what i'm saying i'm saying the same thing just in a lot of different ways through some several several illustrations here what is god requiring of us in these days he's requiring of us that we give him our best that's what he's wanting stop looking around you stop being afraid you don't need to be afraid I understand the anxiety of it all, but what God wants from us is to put Him first, and He will provide every single thing that we need. Let Him be the priority of our lives. Now, finally, if you're here without Christ, you need to start there. You need to just simply say, Lord Jesus, I want to surrender myself to you as God of my life. I know you're a Lord, and so I trust you. That's where you have to start. So let's pray together. As we close, and I'll just lead us in a prayer. And from your heart to God, it's time to do some business with him. It might be, Lord, I don't know why you're doing all these things. Maybe pastor's right. Maybe he's not right. But one thing we do know is that God's word is sure. So examine your hearts. Ask yourself some questions. Am I giving God my best? Am I really making him the priority of my life, the priority of my life? Some of you may need to ask, do I even know Him as my Lord and Savior? So let's pray together. Father, we've already been so blessed this morning. Boy, what a glorious day and what a wonderful thing to start out with a baptism here on this Sunday morning right after Easter. How blessed we've been to be a part of that with Brother Anthony. Thank you for Ernesto and the ministry that you've called him to, for Miss Anna, our Hispanic ministry. Thank you for the Kachin ministry. Thank you for Laurel Hill. Lord, thank you for the people who you've called to be a part of this church. And Lord, we would ask you to help us all, and I'm asking this for myself, to examine my heart on a regular basis and ask the question, am I giving you my best? Am I giving you my best in what I'm asking and what I'm doing here, Lord? And I pray, Father, that you would expose to us the areas that we need to work on, that you'd expose to us the areas we need to let go of, the areas that we need to give due diligence to and not just say, oh, that's good enough. That'll get us by. Lord, may you use us in these days as your people to reach into the heart of a dark world that is looking desperately for hope and is so lost on rabbit trails that they don't know which way is up. Father, may we be that way, that light that shows them who you are. Father, for the soul that needs you this morning, that person that may not even have ever heard of the scriptures but just tuned in today, I pray that you would help them to see that they're number one, they're on their way to hell without Christ, and that they need Him as Lord and Savior. Lord, show them their need for Jesus, we pray this morning. And I pray, Father, that before this day is over, you would have called many to saving knowledge of Jesus. We ask this now in His name and pray this all for His sake. Amen. Lord's blessings to you all.